Hey guys, if you like listening to us, um, you can follow us on Twitter or email us. Follow us on Twitter at writer, W-R-T-R, bagel, B-A-G-E-L, basket, B-S-K-T, on Twitter, or email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to do. Submit fan art. Submit a logo. Do anything, because we want to hear from you. And if you have show suggestions, email them. Less powerful than a glass of milk. No ability to jump buildings whatsoever. Coming to you with superpowers, Meteor Man. (laughs) We saw Meteor Man, so you know what that means. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Tear me apart, Lisa! You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. It was Professor Plum. I said Plum. The men you seek... Think you are dead, Kimosabi? We're gonna pass to the starter, the Bernoulli Convergenator. If he puts a car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean, because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland, and joining me again for Summer Flopbusters is Matt Sinclair. So, Matt, what did we watch? We just watched Meteor Man. <laughs> and you've never seen it? Uh, this was actually my first time watching. I'd seen, okay, so I had seen most of it as a kid, and I hadn't seen it since, and I hadn't seen the whole movie, and my God. Okay, <sighs> so to do uh, the Jukebox Zeroes ripoff, a little backstory of Meteor Man. Meteor Man was filmed in 1991 at the end of 1991 into 1992. It was shelved from 1992 until 1993 when it was released in the summer of 1993, August 6th. The film is directed by Robert Townsend. If you don't know Robert Townsend, Robert, Robert Townsend was the man behind the Five Heartbeats, which was a almost Temptations-like TV movie. He directed the Temptations miniseries. He also was the creator of a TV show called Parenthood, or not to be confused with the TV series Parenthood, but uh, he had a TV series that was basically Parenthood, but it wasn't. So this film, Meteor Man was his attempt at trying to do a film for young African-American kids. Media Man! As a superhero <laughs> movie, because there were there was only Superman and Batman, and basically there was no superhero that, you know, inner-city kids could relate to. Apart from, you know, Steel, or Black Panther, or Black Lightning, or... None of those had come out at this point. Well, not in film form, but the comics had been out. True, true. Well, so, Steel, so it, actually, so it Blade, Blade had been out at this point. Blade had been out, but Steel had not, because remember, Steel didn't come out till uh, nineteen ninety four for the death of Superman, or ninety three, the end of ninety three for the death of Superman. Yeah. So Steel wasn't out at this. So you have Black Panther, Black Lightning, um, the Falcon. Okay, well. My point is, is there were black superheroes in comic book form. But I, I understand what he was trying to do. And you know what? I actually, I got to give him some props. This movie is pretty terrible. But you know what? He's actually not a bad um, filmmaker. It's a, It takes a lot to write and produce and direct a movie. And his other projects are perfectly fine. Like this, it felt like he watched the world's worst double feature of Superman and... Do the right thing back to back. It, it feels like he like kind of remembered watching Superman too, but could only remember that part where Superman takes off the S off of his chest and throws it onto Zod for no reason. You He's know like, what I mean? I feel, I feel like he he never watched a Superman movie, but he heard about them. He was like, there was one with Richard Pryor in it, right? Yeah, it's like if he saw the trailer for Superman one and two, and then saw, like a friend just explained both movies to him. Or Superman three. He's like, uh, so Richard Pryor is the bad guy? Well. Kind of, not really. He's trying to do good, but he's kind of crooked. Huh, maybe I should make a movie. 
the, the cast is pretty crazy in this movie. Should we talk about the cast a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so... Um, what, it's not like this is my podcast or anything. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have... Uh, was it Robert Townsend as Meteor Man? Robert Townsend wrote, directed, produced, and starred in this movie as Meteor Man. Meteor Man. Man. Um, there's also James Earl Jones in this movie for... I can't understand why, but... Um, and he's wearing many colorful wigs. Yes. <laughs> They're wonderful. Yeah, the first scene in the movie, uh, one of the first scenes in the movie, uh, was Jefferson Reed is the name of Robert Townsend's yes. character. Ordinary man and... Uh, All around good guy. Uh, yeah, high school, middle school teacher. He's a high school, uh, he's a middle school uh, inner city... Substitute teacher. Yeah, history substitute teacher, but he also is a cellist that never gets addressed again. Yeah, we never yeah, we never get to see that come to fruition, but um yeah, in one of the first scenes in the movie, he, uh, he's coming out of his apartment building and he's going down the floors and you see the different wacky neighbors who live in his building, one of which is James Earl Jones who loves Billie Holiday music, classic vinyl, and has like a crazy assortment of wigs. Yeah, like he's like, "Oh, is this wig too much?" How about this one? And then he basically puts on... Do you remember when uh, Eddie Murphy pretended to be white on SNL? He, he put on, like, one of those wigs. I was going to say, the the one that James Earl Jones wears for two-thirds of this movie is, like, an Afro flat top, like you see in House it's, Party. It's a high-top fade. <laughs> yeah, it's I a high-top high fade. I love the high-top fade. Him with the high-top fade made my day. Um, also, when he puts on, like... Uh, so the first wig you see is this, like, Stuart Smalley, like, Al Franken uh, wig. And then the next wig he puts on is, like, this Tom Brokaw, like, news anchor wig. <laughs> Uh, another honorable mention in this film, Don Cheadle, a very young Don Cheadle who plays a gangster minion with a surprising amount of dialogue. His name is Goldilocks. Goldilocks. He has platinum blonde hair. He wears black leather jacket with gold chain and platinum blonde hair, and his name is Goldilocks. Yeah, so also uh, his parents are uh, Jefferson's parents, Robert Townsend's parents, are played by Robert Guillaume who you may know as Benson and Marla Gibbs from 227, and she was also on The Jeffersons. Yeah, uh, Benson, they, um, uh, I was going to say, we only uh, we only lost them uh, just this year. They both died this year, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the main bad guy is, oh, also Bill Cosby is in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I just mutter them, Bill Cosby. Um, so the main bad guy is played by... Um, we're consulting the meteor man yeah. imdb uh roy uh roy fagan who um he was oh yeah he that that's who i thought it was he was on the jamie fox show he was on matlock he was surprisingly untouched by an angel um and most recently touched by a meteor man <laughs> he was in one of my favorite movies i'm gonna get you suckers and he was also in The Five Heartbeats, another Robert Townsend. So that's how they both ended up to be in this movie, I take it. Robert yes. Robert Townsend and um, and who is the villain again? Uh, Roy Fagan. Roy Fagan. Roy Fagan and Robert Townsend both have crazy mustaches like, in this movie. Like, <laughs> they I have feel like, the same mustache. I feel like uh, they're like, okay, we're going to go to the same barbershop and Steve Harvey is their barber. He's like, okay, don't worry, player. I'm just going to trim this like this, trim this like that. I, I know, I know now let's play the feud. <laughs> yeah, just imagine if there was like a Ned Flanders and a bizarro Ned Flanders who had to fight each other. Yeah, th this superhero is, if Ned Flanders was a superhero, his powers are like so not good <laughs> like like one of his powers is he can talk to dogs um he can he has x-ray vision but he can only see to people's undergarments and apparently their underwear is like from the 1940s because people are wearing like it's a, it's a police officer wearing a onesie under his uniform i can't quite figure out like in like an old-timey bathing suit yeah like, like him like and the three stooges in like 1890 him and the three stooges are gonna go to the beach <laughs> And, uh, oh, Eddie Griffin. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Griffin plays Robert Towns. Uh, Jefferson Reed's uh, plucky comic relief sidekick. Eddie Griffin is great in this. He actually is really funny in this um, movie. Luther Vandross is in this movie. Um, Frank Gorshin is the uh, is the drug kingpin who um, uh, Roy Fagan which character I Simon which I think Kane. Is, which I think is hilarious because like in a in a in a in a in a mainly African-American neighborhood in a mainly African-American story, the whitest of white guys is the villain. <laughs> also. Makes sense. I buy into that. 
<laughs> Sinbad is in this movie. So they they do the thing where they introduce a love interest for Jefferson Reed. So uh, I'm going to do a quick synopsis, and we're not going to go in-depth on this. I just want to talk about the crazy shit. I don't want to go through the plot of this. This movie is just way too long to do that. It, it's... I mean, it's, it's actually... A, it's re- an hour and 28 minutes. <laughs> it really is. It actually... It's that short. Um, so basically, Jefferson Reed is a nerd. He's kind of a wimpy guy. Um, and then, basically, he gets hit by a meteor. <laughs> a meteor, like, falls on him and melts into his skin, except half of the... Uh, like, a quarter of the meteor breaks off. Um, and while he's passed out in the ground as this meteor morphs into his body, which is so... It's really graphic. It's really grotesque, and, and, actually. And the way that it's happening to him, he's like... Aah! Yeah, I, I compared it to uh, Tales from the Hood, which I saw at this point. Like, I think Tales from the Hood is like 94, 95, but it's like, it's really, really graphic, this scene. And and he's passed out. And who finds his passed out body? Uh, one Bill Cosby. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we made only 18 million Cosby jokes during the course of this film. He's not in the film very long. I'd say his on-screen time beginning to end is probably only about 25 minutes, if that. If you take every single... Like, he's, he's in the movie for, like, 30 seconds at a time. And if you take every single Five scene minutes, he's probably. In, yeah, it's not, a lot of, it's not a lot of time. He does have a major role at the end of the movie, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. And <laughs> just... Once he becomes Meteor Man, he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't use my powers. And everyone is pressuring him to use his powers. And then at the same time, he's pissed off the the Golden Boys is what they're called. The Golden Boys. Yeah, our, and, our gangster villains. Yeah, like they're supposed to. They all look like uh, Wesley Snipes from Demolition Man. They really do. <laughs> they all there do. are even little kids. There are little kids who are part of uh, this they're gang. And adorable. When I, say that, I mean, they're like five, six years old. They're adorable. The little kids are so adorable. It's like, oh, you're going to sell crack cocaine? Oh, oh, we forgot to mention one of uh, Meteor Man's weird superpowers. If he touches a book, just the surface of the book, he can absorb that whole book's knowledge for 30 seconds. But that means he can only remember it for 30 seconds, which I think is really dumb because that's not how knowledge works. But like, for example, he's in the hospital and he accidentally touches the nurse's medical book and he knows everything about medicine for like 30 seconds. There's this crime wave going on. Like, it says it takes place in Washington, D.C. And the movie opens up with with a guy hosing down Lincoln, like the Lincoln Memorial. This guy is just hosing down Lincoln, and it's like directed by Robert Townsend. And yeah, they made it seem like that's a thing they do every morning, which I think I think they only clean the Lincoln Memorial like once every ten years. Like that's not that's not something they're doing every day. There isn't like a Lincoln Memorial car wash. You know what I mean? At the car wash. Um, but so. It takes place in Washington, D.C., which no one really lives in Washington, D.C. They should have said, like, it's Maryland. They don't bring it up again either. Like, that's the thing is the the plot, like, the location of the plot is incidental. No one works for the government. The president is never mentioned. Like, it could take take place in any city. Yeah, like, honestly, it looks like the, the neighborhood from Do the Right Thing. Like, I was waiting for Sam Jackson to just come out and be like, where is my food? Mookie, get over here. <laughs> Mookie, you found my trash can. <laughs> like, you would have thought that they're living in Harlem. With yeah. Our, well, or- they mentioned Philadelphia at one point, too. They mentioned The gang is mentioning these, these random cities they're uh, accumulating, and one of, them, one of the mentions is Chicago and Philadelphia. And it, honestly, it could have been either one of those cities. Yeah, but if they hadn't established Washington, D.C., like, is Washington... Crime ridden. Uh, it was in the nineties. Um, the thing is, is when I when I I went on a school trip in like nineteen ninety six, and in ninety six, Washington D.C. had the highest homeless population in the. Was US. it the eighth grade trip? Because that would have been two thousand. Mm, no, I went. I went before eighth grade, and I went back a second time in eighth grade. They but. took like ten year olds to Washington D.C. Cool. Yeah, in, in 19, well, this is pre this is pre nine eleven, but um in in nineteen ninety six when I went the first time, um they had mentioned that DC had the highest po- homeless population in all the U S at that point. So yeah, I kind I kind of do buy the gangland thing, but like I said, it doesn't matter to the plot. There's no Secretary of State's the pr- the president is never at risk. Like it it, just, it has nothing to do with Meteor Man. 
And Meteor Man, you said that Meteor Man is like the Ned Flanders of like superheroes. He really is. He's he super truly lame. Is. He's his, super lame. Like his powers are are either he can click his fingers to control electricity. Like when he's trying on costumes, he, there's one with a camera. And he's like, I just took your picture like that. <laughs> and I was going to say he uses his powers for agriculture at one point. He takes like part of like like a car's exhaust system and then like turns this like into a rake. Yeah, like a gang like yeah, he uses it like a rake and he uses this like gang concrete neighborhood and he basically just builds farmland for no reason. Yeah, and he uses his powers of radiation to make radioactive rain and radioactive heat. And the first thing I said when when he did that, I was like, great, now all these kids are going to end up bald and with cancer or <laughs> eat worse. Yeah, I, uh, I I definitely, there was like, um, I was going to say when I saw Watchmen, there's that scene where uh, they approach Dr. Manhattan. They're like, all these people have cancer. Don't you think that maybe your radioactive powers gave these people cancer? And he's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and it, with Meteor Man, I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's sticking his hands in the ground and he's bringing about radioactive rain like he's definitely giving people cancer well he's lose uh, so like he uses his powers too much and he starts to lose it when he loses it that means like the radiation is draining out of his body isn't he gonna just wake up one morning and be like completely bald and be like what happened well you got hit by a meteor you're dying yeah that's one thing worth mentioning too um the reason Superman has powers is not because of kryptonite. It's because of the planet that he comes from, which is why kryptonite is poisonous to him. This movie opens with a planetary explosion in space, like the beginning of the first Superman film. But, you know, this giant radioactive meteor hits Earth and hits him directly. You got to think it's like that's not that's not how superpowers work, even in the comic books, even in like Superman's realm. That's that opening graphic, that, that opening graphic was great. Like, the graphics in the beginning of the movie, some of these graphics, like... Some of the special effects in this movie are actually pretty good. Like, when he is melting, like, when that meteor is melting into him, that's actually pretty good. But, like, when he's flying or, or fighting or doing anything else, it looks terrible. Um, so, his life, his dad hates him. Robert Guillaume plays his dad, and his dad only likes him when he gets superpowers, and only when he's going to use those powers for good. Like, Robert Guillaume stands up to Don Cheadle, who is the second in command of the Golden Boys, and he knocks a, a crack vial out of his hand when he's about to sell crack cocaine to, like, an underage kid, and he steps on it. And then the next scene is Robert Guillaume getting... Cancer. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> he gets beaten up, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, like when... <laughs> I, all right. While we're laughing about this, I want to mention there's a scene. There's a scene where... Um, I'm trying to think of that movie with Denzel Washington. Is it American Gangster? Where you you know it's like in the seventies, there's like people just in their underwear and the one like, with Russell Crowe, yeah, like a like yeah, a crack right. cocaine factory basically. So Meteor Man finds one of these factories where all the factory workers are like in their underwear. Why why they're all wearing white? I have no idea. Anyway, he breaks in and he's just like, "Take that, druggies!" And he causes this huge cloud storm that just <laughs> blows cocaine into these people's faces. And then the next scene, they're laughing. Yeah, their the gang ass. shows up and they're like, "What's?" What's going on here? And and everyone's just laughing because they're high. And it's like that's not how you defeat drugs in a laboratory. Like that's not that's not a thing that happens. Funny off track story. I I remembered. Were you part of the Dare program? Yes, it was. I have a Dare shirt actually from 1991. Did they show you that video? It was like this animated video, and it was like a rabbit trying to sell drugs to kids like the opposite of a tricks commercial yeah, I, I vaguely remember that and he he has a handful of cocaine and angel dust mixed together and he goes to blow it in the kid's face to get them addicted and he s s inhales first and it goes into his body and then he just starts laughing and then he gets really sick and that's what that reminded me of this poor media man um, yeah, there's some crazy, ridiculous things that happen in this movie. Here's, here's the thing about Meteor Man. His powers aren't totally lame. He does at one point inherit Superman-like powers. He, he, he inherits 
invulnerability with godlike strength where he actually stops a Cadillac by pushing down on it so hard that it leaves his handprints in the hood. When he accidentally uses his powers, he does good. When he tries to use his powers, he sucks. He can also he also has laser vision, which they show as like an incidental joke. Like he cooks eggs, but he doesn't use it to like well, I shouldn't say it. he does use it to break the firing pins of guns. But he has laser vision he almost never uses and he can fly. But in that scene when he breaks the pins of the guns they never go to fire the guns like they they point them but then they never fire the guns so eddie so eddie griffin um finds out that his best friend meteor man who everyone knows as meteor man so the the why he wears a suit beguiles me because it's like it doesn't protect his identity everyone knows who he is in this movie and they're like please media man use your powers he's like i'm just trying to teach kids i i wish that Um, they did like the reverse superman where like he had a uh a fake mustache, and when he was Jefferson, he put the mustache on, and when he was Meteor <laughs> Man, he took it off. I don't know, it's you. <laughs> Legitimately. Um, I was going to say, so um, so Eddie Griffin, um, uh, Robert Townsend's best friend in this movie, uh, steals his super suit and brings it to the mall so he can use it to hook up with women, specifically news news anchor women. And the All gang- the men in this movie are so goddamn horny. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> like Sinbad, when Sinbad shows up. Um, yeah, so, so, like, the gang shows up at the mall, and, and, uh, Eddie Griffin's just like, oh, uh, d- don't worry about it, and it's, the thing I realize is, like, Eddie Griffin doesn't have the powers that Meteor Man just has, so if they just show up and they just shoot him, he just, you know, they'll just murder him. He almost gets murdered in this movie. What if, what if like, someone came from behind and just, like, shot him in the back of the head, and he's just dead, and, um, Meteor Man shows up, he's like, don't worry, I'm here to, oh, Never mind. Should we also mention that Cypress Hill is in this movie? Cypress Hill plays uh, Cypress Hill and Naughty by Nature play the Bloods and the Crips, who become best friends actually in this with movie. Meter Man, with, me- with Meter Man, Meter Man, <laughs> Meter, Man. <laughs> Meter Man. I want to see that movie. Yeah. Also, know who's in this movie? Bismarcky and Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> like, I'm surprised Tupac wasn't in this movie. To be perfectly honest, I think he was. Was this '93? So wasn't he? When did when would when did nothing but trouble come out? Because Tupac's in that. Was that ninety two, ninety one, ninety two? Ninety one, ninety two was nothing but trouble. Okay. Was this was probably Humpty, around Humpty and Tupac are both in that movie. <laughs> the, okay, so this was ninety two, ninety three. So he was probably in Poetic Justice. So okay, that this makes was sense. definitely Poetic Justice. That makes sense. Like I feel like they're like, hey Tupac, do you want to be in this movie? Ah uh, no, I'm gonna be in this movie where Janet Jackson and I are in love. Kind of. Yeah, not for nothing, too. 1993, this movie had a very sizable budget. $30 million to and make this movie. And it made eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he uses his powers for farming, and he can fly and shoot lasers and doesn't do those things in the movie, like, hardly ever. Well, when, when it came to narrowing down between... So there were two um, black superhero movies that we could have done. It was either this or Blank Man, and when we were looking at the budgets, this one gave us a definite answer that it was a flop. $30 million, eight back, where <laughs> Blank Man only made $7 million, and it was so ashamed of how big the budget was that it didn't even list the budget. I was I was going to say one one thing worth mentioning in this movie. Um, so so, so com- the comedy that comes from Robert Townsend in this movie is that he doesn't know how to use his superpowers. And part of me feels like he watched like one episode of The Greatest American Hero before making this movie, and it's just like, okay, got it. <laughs> I, I would have just loved to see a scene of him flying and be like, believe it or not, I'm walking, walking on, on air. <laughs> That could have that could have happened in this movie for that, for like three well minutes. I would have loved for him to just be like singing the thing theme to Greatest American Hero. I would have watched an hour and twenty eight minute version of this movie of just James Earl Jones listening to Billie Holiday and trying on wigs <laughs> <laughs> and just saying stuff. You're one handsome jab turkey. You're he okay. <laughs> James Earl Jones says jive turkey in this movie. He says it twice, and it is fantastic <laughs> he's like he's like i'm not messing messing with the golden boys they're jive turkeys i was like what the hell what, what year is it um keep in mind james earl jones has already been nominated for an oscar for field of dreams like like james earl jones and robert guillaume are oscar nominated actors bill cosby 
moving on. Um, <laughs> but at this pre scandal, t- pre scandal Cosby, he was at like the height of his Cosbyness. One thing I realized too is that Bill, so Bill Cosby plays a homeless man who. Um, who who's like friends of all the stray dogs and turns out that he ended up with a part of this meteor which gives him superpowers just like Meteor Man, um, which he does abuse. But uh, Bill Cosby doesn't have any dialogue in this movie. He doesn't speak once in the whole movie, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> meteor Man. I got radioactive powers, you see. <laughs> and remember, boy, I am your father. <laughs> Okay, so at this time, Don Cheadle, he was not only in this movie, he was in um, the spinoff of The Golden Girls. He was on Golden Palace, like which was in its final season. So how weird must have it been to be Don Cheadle to be like going from The Golden Girls set to going to this? <laughs> like, like just being like, sorry, uh, sorry, Blanche. Sorry, Rose. Sorry, Sophia. I need to put on this gold wig. What? Here's my question. What was this like? A platform for Don Cheadle? What did he do after this movie? Any idea? Okay, um, I'm gonna have to look it up. I think this was around the time of Hamburger Hill. Uh, let's take a look. For those of you who have seen Meteor Man recently. Or have seen parts of Meteor Man, please contact your nearest emotional support center. We are here for you. We're very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get for supporting us. That's what you get for watching Meteor Man. (laughs) Okay, Hamburger Hill was 1987. Devil in Blue Dress was 95. Man, he's had quite the career. Man, Don Cheadle's good. So, he was, okay, Roadside Profits was 92 he didn't work for two years after making this movie things to do in denver when you were when you're dead and double in the blue dress were at the same time what did robert townsend do after this movie nothing (laughs) (laughs) Um, this was the robocop three of his career no he did uh the parenthood yeah the parenthood um was around this time and Willie Hyatt was 75. Media man. He was in a soldier's story. He was in Norman Jewison's A Soldier's Story. Uh, like I said, he's not without talent. He's he, actually not even a bad actor. He directed Eddie Murphy Raw. Ooh. That's. Uh, he was in The Mighty Quinn with uh, Denzel. Okay. He directed Baps. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> he d- I actually like Baps. I like Baps too. He directed Up, Up, and Away. That's terrible. Now um, we're just going through his IMDb. Well, that's what he did after this. He Ooh, did. You, you know what was a great and terrible scene in this movie? The montage where he tries on all his potential media man outfits. Where That's where he does the camera, where he's like, freeze, I took your picture. Shazam. There's a random shot of him just flying around in a circle, too, which I love. Like, he's just like, hey, how's it going? Oh, that's the thing we got to mention. The flying. He flies at, like, zero miles an hour. A, a, a man running on foot or, like... Uh, you know, like a, like a like a car driving twenty five miles or less will move faster than Meteor Man they flies. They try so hard to like replicate Superman stuff. Like even the score sounds like a mix between Back to the Future, Future and, and Superman. Superman. Yeah, there are music cues, which we actually had to look up to see if any of the composers involved had worked on other films. Um, That's code to see if they stole from uh, Back to the Future and Superman. Short, short answer is they did. Uh-huh. Um. Not that we don't know. We well, we're pretty sure. We're, yeah, okay, we're, <laughs> we're 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 pretty sure. So ninety three, he made Meteor Man, and at the same time, they gave him the green light to do Townsend Television, um, which I'm guessing was like a sketch comedy show. And then he did The Parenthood from ninety five to ninety nine. Then he directed Baps, Up Up and Away, and one of the last movies he directed was. Carmen, a hip hopera with Beyonce Knowles. Ooh. Uh oh no. What? Two thousand fourteen he directed um a uh Netflix special that know that Bill Cosby Netflix special that never aired? Yes. He directed that. Mm. That's not great. <laughs> 
this film, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, everyone. No, um, <laughs> it, it goes. Good night. It goes from being really like funny and goofy with like the wigs and and those cartoon cartoony cartoony vegetables to being like really dark. Yeah, like like these kids walk in, into um uh Mr. Uh, uh, Reed's class. And they just kidnap him. They try to kidnap him. And they're about to watch a man shoot him in the head. Oh, man. You know what? uh, Totally worth mentioning, too, absolutely, is uh, Wallace Shawn has a cameo in this movie. And he's, like, in a meeting. And he's like, these kids, these kids at this school, they're taking apart my car. And Meteor Man's like, no, they're not. That's not a thing. And he uses x-ray vision. He looks outside. And there's a kid, like, beating up his car with a golf club. And and he's just like, ooh, you should go outside. (laughs) No. What he says is, I hope you have your bus pass. I hope you have your bus pass. What are they doing? Why, why is your Wallace Shawn? I'm trying to do the high-strung Wallace Shawn because everyone does the inconceivable. High-strung Wallace Shawn sounds like Jerry Seinfeld. What is happening? Oh, no. Jerry Seinfeld would have loved in this movie. What's the deal with this meteor man? He would have been too famous at this point anyway. Didn't Seinfeld start in 89? Yeah. Yeah. What's the deal with this meteor man? He's What's a meteor. The deal He's with the a meteor man. man. <laughs> We just go into Seinfeld the whole Yeah, we, could, we couldn't afford Seinfeld, so we got Jay Leno instead. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, my forehead's big. <laughs> okay, so Eddie Griffin... Eddie Griffin... What's to... his character's name, by the way? Okay, I gotta look that up. Right, so, but, so but he has some crazy outfits in this movie. But to, uh, yeah, like, all of his suits look like they were picked out by Steve Harvey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Like, they all look like Steve Harvey suits. Um... So his character's name is Big John Little John. I don't know. <laughs> uh, wow, really? Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like Jefferson Reed, Maxine Reed, who is Marla Gibbs from Two Two Seven, Ted Reed. Uh, yeah. My favorite is uh, James Earl Jones' character's name, Ernest Moses. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Um, Marvin is Bill Cosby. Uh, another bad creation plays Junior Lords. Roy Fagan. We already mentioned that Meteor Man can talk to dogs, right? Mm, he, he can talk to dogs. He can talk <laughs> to dogs, but here's the thing. I'll be very specific. He can listen to dogs and understand what they're saying in English, but he can also bark in the language that they understand. And he tries to show this to Eddie Griffin, um, Mark Anderson? Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson. He tries to show this to Mike. And Mike's just like, okay, so you're barking and the dog's barking. And Meteor Man's like, oh, right, you don't speak dog. It's like, yeah, no one does, you weird radioactive nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would just love a scene where all of a sudden he's just talking to Mike or to Eddie Griffin. And, like, his teeth just fall out. Oh, my God, what happened? There is kind of a dark man element to this film. Like, he's, like, wrapped up in bandages. And here, Here's a thought. So there are different scenes in this movie where, where uh, Jefferson Reed just looks insane. He's barking at dogs and no one sees the sub titles he's just looking out the wall but like no one you just see close-ups of his face with his eyes going crazy with like these quick shots of like x-rays outside the wall i realize if you took out everything with the powers he just looks insane it's like garfield without garfield <laughs> my my favorite is when like eddie griffin is like okay i'll 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 bite you're a superhero prove it so he touches jet magazine <laughs> and he's like i'll uh What's page up? six, girl with a perm. <laughs> a, a lucky guess, page seven, girl with a perm. <laughs> All right, so maybe you do have x-ray powers. <laughs> Jesus. So the main bad guy in this movie, uh, uh, um, Roy Fagan, is, is the, he's the main ba- bad guy, but the, the main main bad guy the the puppet master is Frank Gorshin, who was the Riddler, <laughs> and like every time he's on, I just was like, "Riddle, Riddle me this,", this. <laughs> and he doesn't say it once in the movie, which seems like a a waste, a, a, a waste of an opportunity. I, w- I wish that they like almost had him do it. He's like, "Ponder this over. <laughs> Does this tickle your noggin?" <laughs> it's me, your nemesis. Questions mark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you pointed out something about Frank Gorshin. 
how he looks. Oh yeah, so Frank the way Frank Gorshin looks in in this movie in 1993 is the way Mark Hamill looks right now in 2018. Like it's actually weird. Like he, they could he, almost be the same he person. He looks like Mark Hamill did in Brigsby Bear where where Mark did you see Brigsby Bear? I did. He looks like Mark Hamill at, in Brigsby Bear, which is in a glowing endorsement where that film is about a guy who kidnapped a kid <laughs> <laughs> and created a fictional kids cartoon show. Um, but seems like a lot of effort for a kidnapping, but I'm going with it. <laughs> I rented out this Canada studio. <laughs> um, so yeah, Gorshin in this movie is so over the top, and I feel like he was at like an eleven, and uh, Robert Townsend was like, "Hey, can you go up to 29 Yeah, the thing is too is like Frank Gorshin's also not a bad actor. Like he shows up in uh, Twelve Monkeys as one of the uh, doctors, right? one of the doctors on the medical board. And he's very tame, and that's like right around this time too. When Two was, years later. Yeah, ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah. So I mean, he's not without talent, but uh, yeah, I feel like the same thing with this, where it's like, yeah, can you just be a crazy old man in this movie? I remember that because that was uh, the Bruce Willis hot streak. He went from Pulp Fiction to Twelve Monkeys, then he did uh, uh, Fifth Element and Armageddon, like. All the villains in this movie look like they well you you mentioned the Wesley Snipes thing in Demolition Man but they also look like they work for like Ruby Rod from Fifth Element like there's the main the main villain uh Fagin he's wearing in one scene he's wearing a men's corset a leather men's lace-up corset that laces in the front Yeah Simon is his name cuz he goes Simon says Roy Roy Fagin in this movie is just like He's like, huh, I wonder why I didn't have a career after this. <laughs> like, Who knew? Watching this, I was like, because I just watched the documentary on the Fantastic Four. If if you watch it, the, the uh, Roy, uh, the Roger Corman version. Roger Corman version. Yeah, yeah, it's called Doomed. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have it, watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, the documentary is great. The documentary is great. The movie, the Fantastic Four movie is terrible. Yeah, yeah. if you can find a copy. But I felt like... That movie never saw the light of day, and that was filming around this this same time. I was like, why did this movie get released? Another good example of recent movies about movies, um, the uh, documentary about the making of the Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, Island of Lost Souls, is really good. That movie, Cuckoo Bananas production. I would love to see behind the scenes the making of one? this movie. Yes. The documentary is really, really good. I think Sidney Poitier was one of the producers on this movie because this was made by MGM and he had like a huge like tie to MGM. He uh, for MGM and this is probably why MGM isn't really in business anymore for them. He made Ghost Dad. (laughs) This was the time of Ghost Dad, too. Like, when did uh, when did sneakers come out? Because Sydney Poitier is in that too. That was ninety one. Okay, that was ninety one. So he's just like, "Hi, I'm Sydney Poitier from Sneakers. I bring you Media Man." Well, I know for a fact that like all of like James Earl Jones and uh, Sydney Poitier and Guillaume like championed Robert Townsend. They're like, "This guy's funny and he is intelligent and he has a lot to say. This guy is going to be like the next Spike Lee." And if by Spike Lee you mean not Spike Lee, then you're correct. <laughs> because while everything in this movie, like every time they try to do something superhero-y, it just becomes like, you know what I think a superhero... best way to explain it is, it's like a dad trying to pitch a, a movie. Like, you know what I think a superhero would do? I think he'd read books really fast. I kept I kept joking with Scott when we were watching this that um I that like I wish this movie there were movie there are times this movie gets so edgy I wish that it was like Lean on Me where like if Lean on Me and this movie existed in the same universe which is like an angry superhero Morgan Freeman like it's so close it, it's like we need to reinforce the community these kids are beating women and breaking into businesses and doing graffiti and we have to help them and then like you know Jefferson Reed goes to take off and just like flails his arms just like oh. Believe it or not, he's like African American Don Knotts in this movie. He's really what? lame. Uh, like when his eyes bulge out, he he goes over the top. One thing that they don't really they start to get into, like they try to do the the cliche of like a superhero having a love interest. Her name is Stacy. She works with him, 
and then they just drop it like as soon as her boyfriend comes in and it it's Sinbad and Sinbad in this movie he's wearing like a dashiki (laughs) yeah he's wearing a dashiki and he's talking about how oh it's weird to be in like an integrated school system or an integrated community and like every one of his lines is like oh it's weird being at a mall that's integrated because it's so clean here and what's one of his lines like there's no cigarette butts no people yelling at you something like like that you know that that Sinbad like improvised all of his lines and and I just I just feel like uh Townsend was like can you not can you read what it says in the script <laughs> can you stick to the lines Sinbad do you remember the scene when they're walking through the mall at the beginning of the movie and uh Sinbad's trying to hook him up with a girl because he, he knows that Jefferson's like lonely and he's like Sinbad or Eddie Griffin was it Griffin or was it Sinbad we don't meet Sinbad till halfway through okay so it was Eddie Griffin then well, Sinbad is talking about like getting like a fake weave at one point which I think is funny but um no Eddie Griffin's just like yeah so I got this girlfriend and like when she does her hair a certain way she's like a 10 but when she doesn't she's a six and she's kind of fat and like he's like trying to set him up but he's making it sound really bad just like oh well she's pretty if you don't look too hard at her just don't remove the bag on her head i'm just gonna come out and say it, this movie is really degrading to women it this really, movie is really degrading not, to it's everyone not, <laughs> like it's terrible it's really like, terrible so we'll be talking about two movies blank man and meteor man <laughs> no, two, two movies from 93 this is this is one of them What's and the other one? The other one we already did. The other one uh, was Last Action Hero. Okay. I still think we should have done Cop and a Half, but I know it wasn't a, su- a summer blockbuster because that movie is also hot garbage. That was March, and you had two choices to pick from. <laughs> I gave you a giant list. All of the guest co-hosts had like a giant list to pick from. Some of the movies were so bad that even I didn't want to watch and was just like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to just make fun of this movie the whole time? So it's like, yeah, but then I got to watch the movie. <laughs> Baby's Day Out was one of the ones that did not get picked. Ooh, ooh I almost, yeah, I, I like that one though. You know, you know what you know what was on the list that I didn't like was Battlefield Earth. It's like, oh, I have to watch that. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker is in that movie though. Well, I... he's, he's a good actor. But his eye is sweepy. He's the, he's the only good actor. Um, um, I mean, Baby's Day Out, I, I would have felt weird talking about it because I'm actually friends with the director, Patrick Reed Johnson. So I feel weird about being like, hey, his movie flopped. Here you go. I will say uh, Joe Pantoliano, uh, a.k.a. Joey Pants, in that movie does not get enough credit. He's really, really funny in that movie. But this one. And Joe Montaigne. This one. Um, you, you picked because originally you were going to do the Phantom and we didn't want to do too much because movies that have been done by other podcasts, um, right. Meteor Man though, I, I, I wanted the mystery cause that's the thing is I saw most of it when it first came out in 1993. And you didn't remember anything. I didn't remember anything about it. I oh. knew, I remembered basically there's a man who wasn't supposed to have superpowers who got superpowers and that was all I remembered, which I was Oh, I was excited. Can we talk about the part where they accidentally touch a book? Okay, so so Jefferson no, Reed. No, we can't. Jefferson Reed Stop and the villain Fagin. <laughs> they grab Don't do Bill it. Cosby's piece of leftover meteorite and they fight over it and they both get the same powers and they both accidentally touch a book about runway modeling and then they sissy that walk for like five minutes and it's the best. <laughs> For five minutes, this movie becomes RuPaul's Drag Race, uh-huh. and I was so happy Sashay by that. Away. I couldn't. I couldn't even believe that it was in the movie. I was so happy. So one of the problems that I had is when they absorb the books, they only have thirty seconds. But sometimes he, they go longer than thirty seconds, and then other times they they like chop it off like well, right well, at. Well, here's my... the other thing I have a problem with too. Like I said at the beginning of this. Um, podcast like it, that's not how knowledge works first and foremost but the other thing is like Jefferson Reed before he picks up the runway bu- book picks up a book that's uh, Bruce Lee's Art of Kung Fu and the thing is is he fights with Kung Fu style which is fine but then when it wears off he like looks at his hands and it's like you don't know how to punch someone <laughs> like you knew that before you picked up this well, book. Well his biggest problem is that like his powers start to go away first off in any comic book, in any superhero origin, if you get like hit with that meteor or or any type of radiation, you're stuck with it. Like, yeah, that's your curse. That that's yeah, yeah. The damage is permanent. And and his powers just go away. They they disappear. That's why he needs to. St- I gotta rephrase how I was about to say that. That's why he 
takes Bill Cosby. Okay, that's why. <laughs> There's that, no going around this. Yeah, that's why him and him and uh, Roy Fagan uh, absorb that extra meteor that was once Bill Cosby. Oh, thank God, got around that. <laughs> oh, there was no way around that. <laughs> Dodge that bullet nicely. Woo. <laughs> um. So that that doesn't make sense. It only makes sense because the script says so. In any other like superhero origin, you would have that, you know, power. Yeah, with well, the other thing that we're too is that um I will say it's semi-realistic to gain powers unnaturally and then lose them. To keep them indefinitely is more of a comic book thing. But the thing is when you when something happens to you like that, it puts your body in such shock that like you can't go without side effects. So it's like, well, well now I have meteor man powers and then I lose them and and I and I faint and I shit my pants and then you know I, I mean? die. Like, yeah, it's like it would be so traumatic for him to lose just on a biological level to lose those powers every time that it's just like, oh, he's in the hospital again. Oh, <laughs> he if, touched a dog. He knew its language, and then he, you know, and then he fainted. What um, if what if the movie just ended with like, so what happens is the bad guy crushes his dog with a um, dumpster with a he dumpster picks up a dumpster above his head, and he crushes a dog with it, and. <coughs> He's about to heal the dog, but then he's like, oh, no, my meteor powers are going away. And Cosby heals the dog with his leftover powers. I would have loved for right as the dog comes back to life and starts licking him, all of a sudden the powers go away. His hair falls out again, and he just falls to the ground and dies. And then it just ends with like a casket being lowered into the ground, and it says directed by Robert Townsend. I would love that version of that movie. Um, yeah, it's also worth mentioning, too, there's a weird town assembly scene where Meteor Man's fighting the gangs, right? He's fighting the gangs. He, he keep He's keeping the neighborhood safe. He loses his powers. The gangs come back and wreak havoc, and the neighborhood's like, yeah, well, man, fuck Meteor Man. Let's get rid of him. Let's, let's, you know, we, don't, we don't need Meteor Man. And he He's like, you know, I'm the only one keeping you people safe, right? Like, like he's legitimately upset. He's like, oh, I'll just leave, but I probably should stay because I'm the only person here who gives a crap and has superpowers. Because they they say that like he all he needs to do is rest and he'll recharge and have his powers again. Also, not how powers work. That's not how powers work. Like, I mean, Superman, all he does is go outside and get a tan, and he has them. For Ever. Spider-Man's just like, oh, if I take a nap, then my web slinging will work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's that's kind of like the logic for the superpowers yeah. in this movie. <laughs> if I eat a sandwich and have a good bowel movement, then my <laughs> flight will work. <laughs> I, I just, I, I feel like, what's his name? Uh, the Black Panther. I, I would love for the Black Panther to show up and be like, what the hell is going on? That's not how this works. I didn't eat that heart-shaped plant for nothing what's this guy's deal <laughs> uh, the reviews for this movie are like Roger Ebert gave this two and a half stars <laughs> I think that's two and a half stars more than it deserved but like I said Robert Townsend's not without talent it's just this movie that's without talent like this this movie should work but it doesn't and this is the summer where you had, this was 93, so you had Last Action Hero, you had Jurassic Park, you had Super Mario Bros. That was another movie I suggested to you, was Super Mario Bros. I have a weird, I was going to say, speaking of weird 90 movies that are bad and expensive, I have a weird theory that anytime you hire a rapper to be in a movie but don't let him rap, the movie fails. And I'll tell you why. Prime example, um, is it um, Ice-T who's in uh, Tank Girl as one of the rippers? He's basically a giant kangaroo in that movie doesn't rap movies garbage here you have cypress hill don't rap in the movie movies garbage or naughty by nature or bismarcky um tupac and humpty both rap in nothing but trouble movies not entirely garbage that movie's garbage i don't care what you say that movie's garbage. there are other examples though there are other films where you let rappers do their thing and the movie turns out okay will smith wow wow west that movie men did in, not men turn in, out men in, men in black yeah, men We're going in with black. Men in Black? Yeah. Let's go with Men in Black for this theory. My Aren't theory is always you have to let them rap. <laughs> even, even when uh, MC Hammer raps in Adam's <laughs> Family Values, like that's still good. Yeah, who are the rappers in Adam's Family 1, though? Uh, tag Team. Tag Team. Because okay. they basically take Whoop, There It Is, and they go, Whoop, The, the Adam's family. family, There It Is. My, my theory stands the same, though. If you let rappers rap in your movie, it won't be terrible, especially in the 90s. 
<laughs> oh, uh, deep blue sea. Deepest, bluest. My head is like a shark's fin. You can't see this on the microphone, but I'm shaking my head in disappointment. <laughs> what? He rapped. And he turns into a shark at the end. Uh, so All right, it, so maybe this theory is not entirely sound, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. Uh, I just, everything about this movie is just bizarre. Robert Townsend's, like, he, he took on way too much. Like, pick one hat. Like, no, you could have not acted in this movie. Like, just directed it or produced it or written it. Like, don't do everything. Because I was waiting to look through the credits and be like, craft services provided by Robert Townsend. <laughs> like, he did everything. <laughs> Best on- boy. Um, yeah, I was going to say the most logical thing about this movie, especially in the 90s, considering anywhere it takes place, is that most white people who show up in this movie are the villain. And I'm like, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> I was waiting for them to reveal that like Wallace Shawn turned out to be the villain. They messed up my car, so I'm going to kill them. Still a great cameo. Uh, I'm I'm happy that they didn't do a tacked on love story. I'm happy that there's no sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvel did a six um comic run of this, like six issues. I bet you the comics better than the movie, but I would like to get you know because it that requires real art from real artists. But um, if you can hear that, someone is firing, uh, like firecrackers, off in the distance. <laughs> Who could it be? Could it be? Media man. Here's another thing. Most great superheroes have a great supervillain. More than a great supervillain, their supervillain has a catchy nickname. Uh, Media man has no real villain, and 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 more so, his villain, his villains (plural) do not have cool villain nicknames yeah. or origin stories or no deformities, no nothing like <laughs> no superpowers. He could have killed his villain like the first ten minutes of this movie. He doesn't use his powers correctly, and the powers that he does use, they're so boring. Talking to dogs, reading books. Yeah. Like, he truly is the next He could Flanders. just do those things as a normal person. He would just be insane. <laughs> Which goes back to my original theory that this movie would just be great if you just cut out all the superhero scenes and just made him look insane for, like, 45 minutes. Can't you see through the walls, guys? Oh, I'm reading this book really fast. The dogs are talking to me. I'm going to go back underground. <laughs> Cosby. Oh my god, they're the same character. Well, what's really weird is he uses his x-ray vision to to see ladies in underwear. And there's this nurse he likes named Vanessa, and he calls her in, and then it turns out to be an older nurse. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, he has one hand in his bed sheets, by the way, which is like... Oh, is he God. Ca- yeah, he, he carefully puts one arm crotch length into his bed sheet and keeps the other one out. And it's like, is he going to just wait for her to walk in so he can look at her underwear and just, you know, crank one out real quick? Like it's, it's like, Who is he, Louis C.K.? Yeah, yeah, it's like, dude, you're in a hospital. <laughs> Jeez. I'm telling you, watch that scene again. There are other things happening. <laughs> so the, the, my DVD copy of this came with a free copy of the film Carbon Copy, which we should have, which we should have watched. I was also joking before we started recording this that we should have just watched half of Meteor Man and half of a different movie and just made one new movie. <laughs> it's like, well, we watched the first half of Meteor Man and the second half of Battlefield Earth, and you know what? Not terrible. <laughs> Why Meteor, Meteor Man ended up in Fort Knox? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Meteor Man calling everyone rat people? <laughs> Just everything about this movie. I I've been saying that it doesn't make sense. I I only own this because this falls. This is the only black exploitation kind of question mark. Yeah, worth. I was gonna say worth movie. mentioning too. Even though he has superpowers, he's not that strong with them. It's like I feel like Black Dynamite could fight Meteor Man and win. <laughs> All Black Dynamite would have to do is punch him in the face. He would fall down to the ground, go back up. Black Dynamite would hit his hand down and be like, stay down. There's a, So there's a scene in this movie also worth mentioning because I thought it was hilarious. And it's like one scene where you actually got up to get a drink and didn't see happen. But uh, Meteor Man goes to catch two people who are breaking out of a person's no, flat. No, I can see it. TV. You got, got that part. Did you see the part right? Okay, so two people are breaking into someone's flat. They're stealing their TV. Meteor, they're on the fire escape. Great exit strategy for a giant piece of electronic equipment. And Meteor Man's like, that TV's not broken. You put that back. When he flies away, he pushes off from the fire escape and does a backflip into infinity. 
Like he just keep you know, like he's Mary Lou Retton in space. <laughs> like I'm just like, what is Mary Lou Retton? What is happening, Meteor Man? I, I would I would love to see like three homeless people on the roof above with like just ten, ten, five point one. He's the German judge. He does a flip. Nobody. I'm telling you, watch that scene again. It's ridiculous. I haven't gone on YouTube to see if there's like snippets of just the best scenes from this movie. I hope to God there are. (laughs) (laughs) I want people to enjoy this movie as I have enjoyed it without having to watch the whole movie. (laughs) It's just a 10 hour loop of uh, what's his name's wigs of of James Earl Jones's wigs trying on wigs. The wig budget for this movie must have been a through the dollars. yeah like like 15 million of that 30 million had to go to the wig budget like five went to the special effects 10 went to pay the actors and the other 15 went for the wigs yeah james earl jones arguably best actor in this movie there's a scene where um where Meteor Man loses his powers and he's getting the crap kicked out of him in the street and James L. Jones is hiding in his apartment and it cuts to the front side where you can see James L. Jones's face and he has tears, real human tears streaming down both sides of his face. James L. Jones is really working in this movie. I gotta fire my agent. This is post Star Wars too. Like he he's he's working. This was post Field of Dreams. Like he made this after he made Field of Dreams. He did his famous baseball like speech and then he went to throwing billy holiday records and taking his wig off <laughs> do you think he's like i miss kevin costner oh oh james earl jones in this movie just also when when he built his farm when he built his radioactive you know radiation cancer farm the the fruits and vegetables it looks like if you've ever been to, like, a gimmicky restaurant and they have, like, fake food on the walls. Oh, yeah. No, like, Bill Cosby's holding a tomato. Like, it's bigger than a basketball. Like, it's, it's, I, I, it's like the size of, like, a, like a medium-sized dog. <laughs> and he, uh, he builds a farm in the middle of this. There's no explanation to that scene either. There's no setup. Like, there's no like, um, there's no flashback or no monologue where it's just like people don't have anything to eat. Like he's just like, I'm gonna farm here. And I'm, I'm gonna do it. In that cloud is clearly acid rain. Yeah, like it's green. Yeah, he bring he brings that about using radiation, which I'm sure is you know, a good a good thing to do for the environment. Still, I just want to see one person bite into that and just drop dead. <laughs> like, man. Meteor Man killed everyone. Oh, there's so much to talk about, but we're running out of time. John Witherspoon shows up as a man posing as Meteor Man. Oh, that that cameo made me laugh so hard. Yeah, sure. And like the things he's saying, he's like, yeah, I used to be a crackhead. And yeah, I used to go to prison. But now I paid my debt to society. I'm Meteor Man. (laughs) Like, What the hell is going on in this movie? Everything is just bananas i was gonna say before we wrap it up um uh our uh, robert townsend um when he made this movie did he always intend to star in it because it has a very large budget yeah well he was a stand-up so that probably is why i would just love to see a version of this movie with like screen tests with like 27 year old denzel washington like pre-malcolm x denzel wearing the meteor man suit he was friends with Denzel. I mean, he starred with Denzel in uh, The Mighty Quinn and in um, A Soldier's Story. Like, he knows Denzel. He's friends with Denzel. I, I bet this movie was pitched to Denzel. I was like, I'm was not... he also in Bingo Long with uh, with uh, James Earl Jones? No. Okay. No, that was Billy D. Well, I know Billy D's in that movie, but anyway. Yeah, so how many bagels? <laughs> uh, ooh, uh, out, of, out of a baker's dozen, out of 13? Ooh. I feel like people were hungry during this movie. I'm I'm feeling four. Yeah, there's about three left for me. Like, just everything is wrong. The, the person who should have been the villain is Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is a better actor than the guy he that... He has real dialogue in this movie, and he's actually really... For, for such a young actor new to the screen, he's actually really good. He is. And... <sighs> The, the actors in this movie just come and go, and they're just throwaway parts. Uh, Robert Guillaume, he 
was Rafiki, for God's sakes. Come on. This was right around that time, too. He was definitely working on Lion King he totally when they were was. shooting this movie. Um, he's a great actor in this movie, too. I mean, his scenes are all solid. Just like James Earl Jones, his scenes are solid. Do you think, do you think he's like, who needs that Disney animated movie? Guys, I play a monkey in that. I'm in Meteor <laughs> Man. I'm Meteor Man's dad. And then he's like, I want to go back to being the monkey. Oh, my God. James Earl Jones and him were both in Lion King at yeah, this time. Yeah, they were. I just realized that, too. <laughs> this could have been Lion King. It wasn't Lion King. Um, this movie had a huge budget, but you know what? I don't think it needed a bigger budget. I think it just needed a better script. Like the special, Most of the special effects actually look pretty good. I mean, because Black Panther proved that that a superhero for this, like, <sighs> Black Panther proved that they could have done uh, basically a, a character, an African-American superhero are in Black Panther's An case. African I was going to say the King of Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, well, on, you know, I mean, the Black Panther budget was like $200 million. However. Which but, in 1993 was $30 million, the budget yeah. of this film. <laughs> but but th- there's a demographic, even Blade. Blade. I, Blade I, was like four, five years later. I feel like there was missed opportunities with Eddie Griffin too, because though Eddie is great in this movie, he's really funny. Like in Blank Man, Blank Man is bad at being a superhero because he's a nerd who becomes a superhero. And um, uh, David Allen Greer, his sidekick in Blank Man, is like, "Man, you're bad at this. You fall down. You get hurt all the time." Eddie Griffin really doesn't mention ever that Meteor Man is bad at having superpowers. He's and like, I feel "You like got that was this." A huge, huge missed opportunity. Yeah. N- this movie is fun, but it's fun in like a horrible sort of way. Yeah. Like the room. Yeah. Uh, it's good that it's bad, but it's bad. Yeah. So we've come to the end. <laughs> I I can't talk anymore. Media man. Uh, we love you, media man. No, we do not love media man. We don't love media man. So Matt, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I'll be happy to come back anytime. You're in Scotland. You live in Scotland. I'll be happy to Skype in anytime. <laughs> um, you can find us on the Twitter sphere at Writer Bagel Basket. Writer, no vowel. Bas- uh, bagel, all vowels. Basket, no vowels. And because I hate Twitter and I hate how you they can get- find us on Facebook as well. Can you find us on iTunes? Us? The, the us? show. I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm promoting the show. Yes. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We're on Radio Public. Um, uh, Tumblr, Grinder, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tinder, Fender, Bender, Basher. Um, TV Guide Weekly. <laughs> yeah, you can also go to curlandonfilm.com backslash Writer's Bagel Basket uh, if you want to listen to the re- latest episodes. But please subscribe to us and give us a five star, whether it's on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Radio Public, because the more you listen to us and the more reviews you give us, the more shows we can do. So until next time, I'm Scott Kurland. My guest this week was Matt Sinclair. And thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. Bye.